Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. This podcast is part of a preach I did at the prayer house on the 15th of August 2021 and it really follows on from the podcast Catching Foxes. The second song that Forty picked, which was also, I think, deeply relevant, was um, I'm No Longer a Slave to Fear. And there's, there's a scripture that talks about in the last days, men's hearts will fail them. And obviously that's not men exclusively, men and women People's hearts will fail them. And there's this huge, um, we've heard, haven't we, from many different people on TV and radio and everywhere else saying there is an additional pandemic besides COVID-19, which we've been battling with. There's another kind of pandemic of mental health issues which have been out there and just is like a kind of hidden ticking time bomb and affecting many, many people. Now, um, we know personally, I know personally what uh, the effect of mental health issues can be in somebody's life and to see how those things which we, ah, it's all in the mind. That used to be just a kind of like brush off to not have to think about it. Ah, it's all in the mind, meaning it's kind of transient, it'll go away. Tomorrow will look better, things get better and you'll get better, and don't worry about it. And yet we've seen how mental, poor mental health can actually um, literally destroy someone's life and can be the very illness that ends their life. And so we know that mental, poor mental health is a massive, massive deal. And there's been a very interesting kind of development in people's thinking, and a lot of um, high-profile celebrities have come out with statements like it's okay to be not okay. And <laughs> that's, a, that's a helpful thing to say if it means that there's something that will be done about it when you do say, I'm not okay. And actually, the problem is that because the, the need is so vast the resources to meet that need are very, very limited. And so we have a great NHS in this country, and it's fantastic, but its resources are incredibly stretched when it comes to mental health. And mental health is affecting our young people and literally pressing in and stealing their lives away from them at the time they should be having the biggest adventures and living large, Poor mental health is literally kind of 
stifling that and squashing that and closing all of that down. But it's also affecting adults of all ages um, and crippling their lives. And so I just want to look at some very, very simple things. And I'm not going to bring any surprisingly wonderful um, scriptures that you haven't thought of. You're probably going to know the ones that I'm going to refer to really, really well. But first of all, I just want to just zoom into this incredibly famous statement that Jesus makes in, in Matthew 11. He says, <clears throat> verse 28, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, Jesus says that, and further on down the road, he, say, he talks about the scribes and the Pharisees, and he says these guys, these religious leaders, they tie people up with heavy burdens, and they are too much for them to bear. But then he says they don't even lift a finger to help. So Jesus is not... he's thinking particularly um, in his ministry about people who have come under this massive weight and oppressive burden from a kind of religious expectation that has been kind of plonked on them by the uh, prevailing kind of religious rulers of the day, the religious leaders. And so that culturally, for Jesus's contemporaries was a massive, massive deal, that the people had these incredible religious, onerous expectations put on them, and they had to try and live up to all of that to be good enough to please God. And Jesus is saying, come to me, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, all who are kind of weighed down by this stuff, come to me and take my yoke upon you. And then he says, learn from me. Now, just park that thought for one second. We have a mandate from the same Jesus to go into all the world and make disciples of the nations. And so when we're making disciples, what we're doing is we're saying, let's all become followers of Jesus and let's learn from him. So what Jesus is saying is, come to me, and learn from me. So now the custom was that if they had um, in those days, if when they plowed using oxen or um, animals to pull the plow, and they had a new animal that had never been harnessed up to a plow before, they would um, harness it up to an old, experienced oxen who'd done the job for years, knew how to behave when it was yoked up, and they tie in this animal next to the old boy and they do the job together. I just want you to just get the impact of that just for a second. You're weighed down with your burdens and the pressures of life and whatever the, whatever source or direction they're coming from. And Jesus says, come and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you. Harness yourself up to me, and we'll do this together. He's not saying, right, you've got this job. Get on and do it. Don't come back to me until it's all done. He's saying, actually, I'm right in this, harnessed up to the same yoke with you, and you're going to learn from me. We're going to do this together. So this is about 
making disciples right. Now, Jesus is saying, come to me, all who are weary, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he says, come, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I think what he means there is actually I'm carrying the main load. I'm actually carrying it for you. But he says some beautiful things, doesn't he? He says, I'll give you rest. And what, what is the rest that he's given us? It's the rest from having to do it all ourselves, to make it all happen ourselves, from being the only source. Now, I've, I've spoken to Christian people who say, well, if I don't worry about it, who will? If I don't do this thing, who will do it? No one else is going to do it for me. And actually, the invitation of Jesus is, come and get harnessed up with me, and we'll do this together, but actually, my yoke is easy, and because I'm carrying it for you. Now, it says, Peter said, didn't he? He said, cast your burdens upon the Lord, for he cares for you. Cast your burdens, 1 Peter 5. He says, roll them over, literally offload those burdens onto the Lord because he cares for you. Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. But actually, the information coming to us from the culture that we're saturated in may not be about trying to be a better religious person or a more God-fearing individual and by keeping all the requirements of the law. But the pressure that a lot of our young people and a lot of our adults are under is this kind of unspoken pressure from the media, from social media and advertising and all the rest of it. And that puts us under an intolerable burden because we think, I have to be this model person. I have to have this incredible lifestyle. I have to... And I was thinking on the way here, when we put our pictures up on Instagram, we tend not to put pictures of us in the middle of an argument with our spouse. And we tend not to put pictures of our teenage person shouting at us or, our, or whatever is going on in our lives or our toddler behaving terribly. We tend to put up the things that are going well and we curate our social media pages, don't we? we? We know that. But yet, somehow, when we look at that, we know that that's happening, that people are putting up their best shots and their best pictures and the ones where they look particularly handsome or gorgeous. And we know that's happening. But yet, somehow, it still applies pressure to us. And we think, oh, I don't match up to that. I, 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 I'm, my life is rubbish. I'm... I'm and so I think that there we come under this incredible pressure, which is artificial. And Jesus is saying, come to me and take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Let's do this together. Let us walk this. Let's plow this field together. Let's get through this life together. Um, so Forty was uh, playing there. He said, I, I'm... You're my peace in my troubled sea, and I'm no longer a slave to fear. And do you know what? There is a massive, massive, massive slavery to 
fear. And I, there are some things which are not arbitrary, that are actual real, real risks that we face or our young people face every day. And those things can pile up in our minds and just become an intolerable burden. And when we've had a bad thing happen to us, it's really easy for us to expect that bad thing to happen again. Or to think, well, what if that's not the worst thing then? What if there's still something worse to happen? And I've I've found myself feeling exactly the same thing. Like, I never expected this could happen. This is more terrible than I thought. But yet, six months ago, I thought we were in the worst place. Do you know what I mean? And so we've gone from bad to unbelievably bad. And then you think, well, what if there's an even more unbelievable? And so can you see how we do? And so our minds develop this kind of pattern. And we think, maybe. And the fear of the unknown and the fear of what if. And the fear and the realization that we can't cover all the bases. and We can't keep ourselves or our family or our children, the love people that we love the most. We can't keep them safe. We can't, we, 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 we really can't, we do our best, don't we? I was at um, Hope and Ben's lovely celebration of a year um, yesterday of their, of their marriage, the celebration yesterday because they weren't able to celebrate with everyone they wanted a year ago because of the pandemic. And an old guy was speaking, dear guy, and he stood up and he, and he read from 1 Corinthians 13. He said, love always protects. But do you know what? There are times when you can't even protect the people you love. However much you want to do it, however much it is absolutely the right thing to do, however hard word it is into your heart, you want to protect them, and then they do something that you have had no power to intervene over, or to intercept, and so this thing has happened, this thing, or this decision, or this thing happened to them, you know, and I'm not even going to list the possibilities because our brains don't need any more ammunition to worry. But what's Jesus saying when he says, don't worry about tomorrow? (sighs) I think what we do is we say, yeah, it's all right for you, Jesus. I think we do that. I think we consciously put ourselves in a different category and say, no, that doesn't apply to me anymore because this is too bad. And I'm now in another place. I've now gone to another level where I'm allowed to worry. And, I'm al- and we start to open our hearts and we enter into agreement with worry and with anxiety. I've... I've um, <laughs> met so many people recently who've talked about my anxiety. Oh, my anxiety's really bad today. Uh, you probably heard the same thing. And I, I would, I kind of, I, I've said to them, look, please don't own the anxiety. Don't make it your anxiety. You can say, I feel anxious today. Of course, that's, that's natural. And we'll, you know, there's a way through that. But to actually own it and say, I've got anxiety. 
and I've heard people say that as well, and it's like they've been to the doctors and the doctor's given them a formal diagnosis and they say, oh, you've got anxiety. You're like, I've got anxiety. <laughs> it's like, no. Yeah, you're anxious because things are going on that you don't have control over and you feel powerless to help yourself in. Don't side with the anxiety and say, yeah, I've got anxiety. Let's see anxiety as a temporary thing that's going to come under the lordship of Jesus in due course. And let's, if you've missed my podcast, if you've not signed up to my podcast, you should be able to find it. Just go to Facebook, hit the link, and it will get you there. Okay, so, but I've just done one called Chasing the Foxes, or Catching Foxes. And uh, it talks about bringing our thoughts and bringing them to Jesus and putting them under his feet. So saying, Jesus, right, you are in charge. Right, so here's the real situation then. So I am having anxious thoughts because of this situation, which is grave and difficult, and I can't get on top of it. And I wake up in the morning and my thoughts are anxious. I go to bed at night and my thoughts are anxious. I find myself thinking an anxious thought when I'm in the supermarket, when I'm in the car, when I'm on the bus, whatever. And those anxious thoughts are coming. So I think, oh, I've got anxiety. No, anxious thoughts are happening because of something that's happened to me or things that are going on in my life that I feel powerless over. So I bring those things. And I say, Jesus... My thoughts are out of control with anxiety. I bring them to you. I am the young animal who's harnessed into this yoke with you. This burden is too much for me. I can't bear it. I'm giving it to you, Jesus. You've been to the doctors and they've told you that you have a health issue and they say oh this is difficult you know there's not really a treatment for that what does it do it piles on the anxiety doesn't it It piles on the worry so we then have a choice we can say i'm going to take this thought captive i'm going to arrest this thought and bring it to jesus and let him become the curator of the thoughts that are allowed in my mind, that are allowed, that I'm allowed to think. <laughs> this, this, we, we need to be able to do this stuff. This is about becoming a disciple, is somebody who has actually trained themselves to distinguish good from evil, says in Hebrews by constant use. This doesn't happen just overnight. We are not born with this skill. We learn this skill by walking with Jesus. This is real for me. This is in completely raw and entirely real for me. And I've spent my whole life learning to do this thing, but now I find myself in situations where I've never where I've not been exercised before, and I'm having to apply the skill to other areas and to different concerns and so on. But it's, 
it's a practice that we learn, we become skillful. Now, Jesus says, you will find rest for your souls. I don't think Jesus is saying, you're going to just be so chilled, you'll be sat in front of Netflix 24-7 with your beer in your hand, with, ne with never a care in the sky. There is a difference between rest and passivity. Jesus is not trying to make us all into a bunch of passive people who do nothing, but we just sit there thinking about ourselves all the time and how nothing must trouble me. But actually, he's bringing us into a place where we're able to robustly handle the challenges and the pressures that come on us. And he says, if you imagine Jesus, when he's in the garden and he's contemplating the cross and he knows what's coming up, kind of, but he's never experienced it before. He knows the pressure. That was not an easy journey for Jesus. We can't say, oh, it's all right for you, Jesus. He has been in one of these bodies, the same as yours and mine, and he's road tested it to the absolute extremes of what it's capable of. He's lived inside the constraints of a human mind. And he's learned, he knew. Jesus, it says in, again in Hebrews that Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. He learned what it's like to be a son through what he suffered because of the challenges that he went through, the mental challenges, the physical challenges. So when we come to Jesus and say, Jesus, teach me. Let me learn from you. Give me your peace in this situation. Be my peace in my troubled sea right now. Be the peace in this situation that I have not got the power to deal with and to come above it. Somehow let me bob to the surface and let me come up and let me be floating in you. Um, we're mixing the metaphors now, but we're so, where, where this thing does not win, this thing does not define me. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. He says, uh, I love it where it gets to the, you split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears are drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I can stand and sing. And, oh, right. Psalm 23 is many, many people's favorite piece of scripture. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. God is in the business of restoring our souls. Now, I believe this is going back to our big mandate of making disciples. I believe one of the things that we most need to do is to learn how to regulate our own hearts and to bring our own anxieties to Jesus so that we, and to factor those things well, so that when we are making disciples of young people, of new Christians, we can teach them how to no longer be a slave to fear. So being a disciple is not just someone who reads their Bible every day. It's not just someone who prays every day. It's not just someone who goes to church regularly and 
makes the pastor smile because they're there week on week. That's not, that isn't, that's great. Those things are good, but they're not the end of being a disciple. A disciple is somebody who's learned to cast their burdens onto the Lord. A disciple is someone who's, cut, who's learned how to bring their brokenness to Jesus to be healed. A disciple knows how to get themselves well by finding the healer. So that again, going back to before the pandemic, we were talking about our testimony becomes a bridge that we can help people walk across to come to faith in Jesus. And when we, Paul says I, that we will comfort each other with the comfort that we've received. And as we've learned how to find comfort and strength in the Lord in the middle of our darkest days and in the middle of our challenging situations, we will then actually have something which is a massive, wonderful product that the world is desperate to get hold of. If we can say, yeah, this is the God of all comfort that I'm introducing you to. This is the one who can take your anxiety and take it right off you so that it's not your anxiety anymore. And he can carry your burdens and take them right away from you so that they no longer define you. So you're no longer defined by I've got anxiety. You're no longer defined by mental poor health. But actually, you can say, do you know what? I have been through dark days, but do you know what? The Lord has been there and found me and lifted me up. The psalmist, he's writing, he says, you lifted me up from the miry clay and you've put, me on a, you've put my feet on a rock. You brought me into a broad, open place. And there's something about mental poor health. It's like quicksand. It sucks us down in. The more we struggle, the more we go down and down and down and down. And that's where we need friends who can help us, friends we can truly lean on, who can pray with us and just keep bringing the comfort of Jesus into our lives, but where we also need to become the curators with that help from God himself to where we bring those sorts and we make them captive and we put them under Jesus's feet and we said you know what that that is not gonna that thought now is not going to I'm not going to keep revisiting that what if what if this happens yeah but what if this happened well that happened what if this happens we need to learn to bring those anxieties and bring those fears to Jesus and I know that this is very very real to me and in, close to me at the moment. But I do believe as well this is a massive, massive need. Uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of a conversation with some very interesting leaders of um, ministries in this country at the moment about how we particularly help young people with poor mental health. And we're really looking, and I'm, I'm excited about some of the connections that God is opening up for me in that. But I believe that we that's part of our mandate as people who are called to make disciples is to set the captives free, to set them free from anxiety, from poor mental health and all the symptoms that go with that.
So why don't you just stand where you are, and I'd like you to do something with me today, because this is really important, and body language is really good. I know I'm a charismatic, but body language is good. So just put your hand on, well, let's put our hands on our minds, because that's what we're talking about. And our mind really is like an organ of our body that can get sick, just like our, our heart or our liver or other parts of us can get sick. And so let's pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I invite you again to be the Lord of my mind. To come and put your throne right there, bang in the middle of my mind. So I can bring every thought that is out of line and put it under your feet. Lord, all the dysfunctional thinking that's going on right now, I bring it to you. I break all agreement with fear. Let's say that again. I break all agreement with fear. I break all agreement with anxiety. I break all agreement with self-hatred. I break all agreement with despair. And I put those powerful thoughts under your feet. Lord, make my mind a healthy place. Help me to day by day keep my mind healthy and fresh. To sweep it clean of all that negative stuff that wants to encamp in my mind. In Jesus' name. I entrust my family to you, my health, and all my loved ones. In Jesus' name. Amen.